you for listening to this message from the North Gate. I told the, uh, the group that gathered together Friday morning, I said, you guys got to pray for me because there's like three different things that are tugging on me and I don't know which way to go. And uh, they're like, okay, we'll pray for you. We'll see. And uh, a bunch of them were texting me today. Hopefully you got clarification. I got clarification and I'm, hopefully I can speed through some of these notes because there's a lot. And I don't feel like keeping you guys here for three hours, even though you guys will tell me you want to be here for three hours. <laughs> but something that that pastor started doing, uh, the I think I think it's the it's it's a two a one Tuesday a month. I'm not necessarily I'm not certain when when it is, but he he did this pastors gathering and invited a a few pastors together to pray and to pray for one another, to pray over their regions, to uh, declare and decree, and to just operate in the prophetic. And I was leading worship. I led worship for about 20 minutes, and you get all these men of God in the same room. And I just sat up there, and I was like, whoa. I felt like I was driving down the highway on a bicycle doing about 950 miles an hour. And... uh one of the men that was here, we started talking about, you guys remember when prophet uh, Chuck Pierce, we talk about all the time how we went down to Apostle Tim's and he was given the words about the whirlwinds all over Ohio. And there was these little whirlwinds that he was talking about all over the state. And we're all sitting there like, man, they're all everywhere except for here. And the last one, He's like, and then there's this giant one. It landed right over Portage County. And Apostle Dutch got up and said, Jimmy Lovejoy, you better get ready. Right? So you're talking about that and praying into that. And one of the men got up and he was talking to pastor and he said, you know, it takes the hot and the cold coming together in order to form the tornado. And he specifically talked about, not that we do this, but he was saying in a general sense as the body to not speak against your brothers and sisters just because they're not where you're at. And for different local expressions, not to be speaking against one another because they don't express themselves in the same exact way. And he's like, it takes the the hot and the cold coming together. So I've been on this journey of unity. And I want to talk about that tonight. So I think we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 first. And this is the part that Papa Ed will like. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to go 18 through 27. Give you a second to get there. First Corinthians chapter 12, 18 through 27. It says, but God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So, now we see that there are many different parts and functions, but one body. It would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. The body parts we think are less honorable, we treat with greater respect. And the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked it. This is the part that got me, and I loved it. He has done this 
intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern and so that there will be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. You are the body of the anointed one, and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. The first part where he talks about he specifically caused diversity throughout the body. I was talking to Papa Ed right before worship about how diversity is necessary. And I used this example. It's a poor example, but it's the, it's the one that came to me when I was thinking about what diversity means to me. I was thinking about it in this way. We tell people when they invest their money to diversify and not put all their eggs in one basket as to avert the risk of losing everything. This principle works because when you spread out wealth into many different areas, when one struggles, the other makes up the difference. When one is weak, the other is strong. And this inherently puts a support system in place, right? When one, when one is, if you take your money and you spread it out, and diversify through many different areas, when one area is losing money, the majority of the time, there's other areas where it's making up that loss. If I were to take everything, my entire life savings, and put it into one place, the risk is extremely high. The reward may be very high, but the risk is very high. I had uh, somebody very close to me, I won't say who it was, that put the majority of their eggs in one basket. And when, I don't remember when it was, oil prices went down, they lost a lot of money because they took everything that they that was theirs and they placed it and they put it into one place. So how did, what does this mean with the body? I was listening to Pastor when he was at Crestview tonight or this morning. And he was talking about, again, we need the Catholic Church. We need the Lutheran Church. All of these different places. Because when, when what Yahweh is doing hits, what we have now as the Church of Streetsboro, which is not just us, the Church of Streetsboro, it's not enough. There's not enough room. We're going to need all of us, and he's going to bring us all together. I can remember when I first got saved, and I don't understand why this is. When I first got saved, the ministry that I was a part of, whether they realized it or not, they taught us that we were right and everybody else is wrong. And if you... if People don't believe like we teach you to believe. They're wrong, you're right, and you need to teach them what you believe. And that's what converting was. We were bringing them into our way of thinking. And I can remember going out on Friday nights and we would do our evangelism projects and at Kent State. And it wasn't just going out and trying to find the lost and preaching the gospel to the lost, when we, when we would encounter people that didn't believe the way we believed, we would spend countless hours trying to convert them to be exactly the way we were. And what would it look like if we had a body full of hands? It would be weird. A body full of hands. But he's created different expressions. Look at, look at our family. It's amazing. You go to Uncle Mark's and the, the artistic realm and the joy, happiness, the dance, all of these things that are present in that place. We go to Uncle Bobby's. It has a house church. 
where you go to Apostle Damon's, Apostle Oracle Aaron's. I got to get that right in my head now. Oracle Aaron's. We go to all these different places and all these different expressions because one's an eye, one's a foot, one's a hand, and all of them are vital. I was thinking about where it talks about the lesser parts of the body that need protected. Our internal, our internal organs, our heart, our liver, all these things. Our body naturally protects those things that are weaker. I see that as our children, the weaker ones. The body naturally protects. Our body was built to protect those things because one thing happens and it all falls apart, right? Everything with the next generation in mind. So diversity. Each person is created to be unique and each family dynamic is unique. Each local church expression is unique and it should be. Yahweh did not create us to be carbon cutouts of one another. Amen? Come on. We were created to be unique so that there would not be division amongst the body. He created us to be different from one another so that there would not be division. How is it that we've allowed us being different to do that very thing? Whether that it's it's amongst ourselves, we see it as we're growing up in schools. We see it now, we've talked about it with bullying, people being different, so then we're just going to make fun of them, beat them down. We've allowed our uniqueness to be the the very thing that divided us when Yahweh said that I created you to be unique so that there would not be division amongst you, right? Funny how our differences have caused us to be divided instead of unifying us under one thing, Jesus is Lord. Amen? Come on. We need the hot and the cold, man, for the whirlwind to come. Ephesians 1, 6 through 11. In the New Living Translation. says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, Because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Amen? Come on. I love it. He's causing everything to come together under his authority. So I want to talk about this dream because... This brought me back to something that I spoke about and taught 10 years ago. This message of unity. About 10 years ago, it all started with a dream. And I had a dream that I was was in this place and I was, I knew I was me and I'm walking around and I come to this treasure box go figure. And I opened the treasure box and inside the treasure box is it's overflowing with gold coins, but coming out of the gold coins, it says Ephesians, it says EPH 413, which I knew in the dream meant Ephesians 413. And it sent me on this journey for, I don't know, probably two months trying to figure out, I knew what he was saying, but it was like, okay, you got to show me 
what you're saying as opposed to just giving me this one verse, right? So let's read the one verse and then I'll tell you about the most incredible encounter I've ever had. One of the most, probably the most. So this was the scripture. This is the one that's talking about how he's given apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's done this until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I love that scripture. He's bringing us together so that together we can be the expression of the fullness of Christ. So I went on this, I kept uh, praying and, and trying to study and research because that's just how my brain works. Trying to figure out what it is that he was trying to show me. And one night, this is when, this is 10 years ago. So this was like three houses ago. This is when we, when we lived in Ravenna in our first house together. Before kids, before the kiddos. Me and Asher laying in bed, it's probably two o'clock in the morning. I'd been studying at the time a, a very, I don't know how long it had been taught for, but there was a very prevalent teaching about the seven church ages in the book of Revelation and all seven churches being seven different ages of church history. So I've been studying that along with this, and I was woken up by a voice declaring over me, there's not seven, there's eight. There's not seven, there's eight. And I open my eyes. There's not seven, there's eight. I sit up in my bed and I'm looking around. There's not seven, there's eight. And I went into this vision experiencing that scripture in Revelation chapter two, where he talks about the seven churches where it shows the candlestick and each candlestick is uh, an angel of the, the seven churches. And it says, and then there was one likened unto the son of God. At the time we were preaching hard about the church of Laodicea and y'all are lazy and you guys are all about yourselves and we're doing all this stuff, right? And he said, there's one coming whose likeness is that of the son of God. This isn't how the story ends. And he began, it, it, this is the only angelic visitation I've ever experienced. And I've never talked about it in that manner because that was, a, quite frankly, I was afraid to back in the day. But we're getting pretty, pretty intense and weird. So I think, I think everybody's cool with me talking about uh, an angel coming to visit me. I couldn't see him. I could, I could feel the presence of the angel in the room and I could hear his voice. And he went through and began to show me because I'm asking him, what does this look like? Am I supposed to go back and I'm supposed to, because this is what we did. Am I supposed to go back and study the gospels and learn what the, the fullness of, the fullness of Christ looks like? And he said, I want you to look at the nine descriptions of Jesus by John in Revelation. And these things are going to be the characteristics of this last age. This was 10 years ago. I was going back and reading through some of this stuff. And I was like, whoa. I'm not going to go back and read through Revelation 1, 2, and 3. But I, I got plenty to, to go through and read through this. This was amazing. I actually had almost forgotten about this. The nine descriptions of Christ in Revelation 1 are the characteristics of what Yahweh's doing in the midst of the body now. The first thing is he's clothed with a garment down to his feet. And that garment is stark white. 
And this is what he told me. They will be clothed in the righteousness of Christ and the finished work of the cross, not self-righteousness or the works of their own hands. The white robe represents the righteousness of Christ and his rest. This was 10 years ago, y'all. We were not talking about rest. Trust me. We were going to town. Hand, and, and we were. We were in hand-to-hand combat 10 years ago, 2012, for sure. Amen? Look what he did. He brought us full circle. Apostle's been teaching us what righteousness really means. We've been talking about rest for the past six years, seven years, and being drawn in to his rest. I didn't go through and, and fix how it, I got the King James version of uh the scripture written throughout. So gird about the paps with the golden girdle, the old King James. <laughs> this, was, this was a golden sash. And apparently back in those days, I wouldn't know because I didn't live back then. Apparently back in those days, they would wear these sashes in the same manner as me and Joe carry a wallet or my wife carries a purse within a purse right? Mama's got two purses. These were not merely a belt or a sash, but they were commonly hollow to hold money or other provisions. In the same way we use a wallet or a purse today, this golden girdle shows the carrying of the provision and inheritance that the Father both purposes for us and the Son purchased for us. They will solely trust in God alone and not place any of their hopes in the world system to keep them. Provision coming into the hands of sons and daughters to carry out the dreams that Yahweh has exploded in their hearts. Yeah? Full provision and inheritance. Look at what happened to Apostle D, talk about inheritance. Doing everything with the next generation in mind. We're thinking about that like me and Caleb. Look at Oracle Aaron and Apostle D. Inheritance in this lifetime. The fullness of provision and not having to do it on your own. Not having to fundraise. Not having to beg people for money to be able to do the things that you're believing Yahweh wants you to do. He's going to put it in your golden sash. And I'm going to tell you what, how it, my thought process changed about this since when I received it until now. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. They will walk in purity of thought, devoting and submitting their will to his will they will possess the mind of Christ. You're going to know his thoughts. You're going to know his ways. And you're going to begin to infiltrate the world around you because of your devotion and your honor for the process. He's changing the way we think. Amen? Come on. His eyes were as a flame of fire. They will burn with passion for God, but will also burn with passion for everyone around them. They will devote their lives entirely to Yahweh, walking in compassion and love for their neighbor. This was the kicker, whether lost or brethren. Showing compassion to those that are in your life that don't even know Jesus as Lord yet, although he is. It wasn't an apostle that just said, I'm pretty sure it was at the shepherd's tent. Nobody, the most foolish thing we did was tell people to make Jesus Lord of their lives. He is Lord of their lives. They just haven't realized it yet. Yeah? You know, in uh, Jesus taught his disciples to love their enemies and not just love one another. He taught them to love each other, but then he taught them, 
You know, it's actually easy for you guys to love one another. Let me one-up you. Try loving those that are nothing like you. Try loving your enemies. Now, I'm not saying the lost are our enemies. But imagine what it's like in our city, our region, when we learn to love one another the way Christ loves us, and then that branches out into us loving those that don't know Jesus yet. Because that's what he told us that we would do. They'll know you by your love for him, for each other, and for them. Right? I spent a lot of time this week. I'll just use this as an example. I won't say who it was. I spent a lot of time this week trying to show somebody how to do media stuff not because of anything that they can do for me. We barely even know each other. But when they asked for help, they reached out and they asked for help. For some reason in my heart, I was going to do everything I could to help them. Whether that was time, research, whatever it was. And I did my absolute best in the same way I would do it for Justin the same way I would do it for Brandon, and the same way I would do it for Adam or Ed or John. We've probably met two or three times. But I wanted to love them the same way that I would love those that I consider to be close to me. Amen? I need a drink of water. I feel like I'm in the desert. How many got to listen to the pastor when he preached this morning? And uh, Prophet Mike. Check this out. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they were burned in a furnace. Blessed are the feet of those who carry the good news of the gospel of salvation. It's exactly what they declared over Pastor Jason. Fine brass is actually a translation, bad translation. This was me diving into the Greek afterwards. The Greek refers to them as like a fine metal, more precious than tried gold, not brass. They possess a gospel that has been tested and tried, but found true through their own experience and not someone else's. And his voice is as the sound of many waters. They will walk in complete unity, tearing down denominational walls, racial barriers, cultural barriers, all coming together in one mind and one accord with one voice. And he has in his right hand seven stars. The seven stars are revealed in verse 20 as the seven angels to the seven churches. Angels are the messengers of God, and they are carriers of his message. The church and its full potential will possess the message from each church age in the palm of their hand and see it for what it is. The church's history as the manifold wisdom of God. As Christians, we are to live for today in light of yesterday and for the sake of tomorrow. They will see and possess the knowledge and wisdom of those that have gone before them. We will inherit everything that was done right, and we will learn from everything that was done incorrectly. We use an example. Apostle has talked about Brownsville and how absolutely incredible it was when he was, a, not just when he was a part of it, but he got to be a part of it. And all the salvation and the miracles and the healings and the worship was just wild and the preaching was fire. There was a lot of good that came out of Brownsville, but what was the one thing he said? I wish we wouldn't have burned ourselves out going every single night, day in and day out. You take the good and you learn from the mistakes, right? And we've seen that. We've been able to grow from that. We're going to learn, and you get to do this 
if you're in uh, school of ministry, in the old school school of ministry, we got to go back and study the first great awakening and the second great awakening and Azusa Street and Brownsville and all these, the old revivals, right? And we've gotten to sit down and talk about all the things that they did right and the things that they may have been able to do better and see how things changed throughout church history. And it was incredible. We get to have all of that wisdom and knowledge in our hands so that we can, with the mind of Christ, see the fullness of the kingdom come into the earth. Amen. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. They will speak the truth in love, both with power and compassion, penetrating to the deepest parts of the soul, even separating the bone from the marrow. And his countenance was as the sun shining in all of its strength. They will arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon them. Though darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness cover the people, but the Lord has risen upon them and his glory shall be seen upon them. And the Gentiles shall come to the light that is upon them and the kings to the brightness of their rising. They will lift up their eyes and look around to see that everyone has gathered together and have come to them. Their sons and daughters shall come from far away. Then they will see and flow together and their hearts shall fear and be enlarged. <laughs> because the abundance of the, she of the sea shall be converted and the forces of the Gentiles shall come to them. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but you cannot, but you, you are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. These are the characteristics and how I interpreted it back then because of my mindset was that we were gonna have a local church body that walked in all nine of these things. And we were going to be wild. And we were going to get it right. And we were going to do all this cool stuff. You know what he showed me this week? That the different expressions are going to get to experience different characteristics of this description of Jesus. And it's going to take all of us working together to show the full potential of Jesus in the earth. It's not going to be one of us. So I'm not, I'm not praying that the North gate gets to walk in all nine of these characteristics. I'm praying that the one that's ours, that we reach its full potential. And those characteristics are scattered amongst the brothers because it's going to take all of us coming together. He's purposely created intentionally is what Corinthians said. Intentionally created us different so that we would have no choice but to work together to create one body. We all got the same head. Jesus is the head over all of us. But not one of our, of the homes, the families, underneath apostle are exactly the same and I love it you know what is the same you go in and as soon as they strike that first chord the presence is not any different the worship of sons and daughters isn't any different the message the foundation of the message Though the expression may be different, the foundation of the message is the same. And it's incredible. I saw them, that last part, or the, the part about the blessed are the feet of those that carry the gospel. They declared that over Pastor Jason today. Because that, that type of evangelism is their DNA. There's a portion of that evangelism that's our DNA. There's one of them that is going to be so keyed on receiving provision 
so that it can be given to the rest of the body? Right? Apostle and the, the message of righteousness being given to all of us. So we need each other, y'all. Not just us needing each other in this room, but us needing each other in this city. I was thinking about this. You know when they used to write letters, when Paul would write a letter to the Corinthians? He wasn't writing that to like one place. It wasn't like Paul writing a letter to the North Gate. He was writing a letter to the church at Corinth, which means it would get circulated through all the house churches and all the gathering places. We need each other, man. I can remember, this is before Brandon was coming around. This was awesome. You guys remember 5.30 a.m. prayer in the tiny little room when we were at the gym? The little, the middle room? There was a period of time where there was a, a Catholic priest that came every Friday and would pray with us at 5.30 in the morning when we were in Shalersville. He didn't come once. He came multiple times until, he, until it was his time to, to go off and pursue other things. It was amazing. It was awesome. Didn't get up and, and pray. There was no, you didn't feel any of that in the room. He would just come and just like soak in it. And dude, we were real wild. I mean, we were like yelling and screaming and going to, going to town and carrying on. <laughs> Papa. <laughs> it was awesome. Man. And watching this past Tuesday or two Tuesdays ago, whenever it was, it had to have been two Tuesdays ago, when these pastors from different regions, these leaders from different regions, all have different expressions, when they came together, it was, I'm telling you, it was fire. It was wild. Like I said, I played, I played, like I played for about 15, 20 minutes, and then I sat up there like wide-eyed, like I just want to crawl underneath something. <laughs> There's power in that, man. There's power in that. So, I think we're going to stand up and pray. I felt that the message leading us into a place of prayer and declaration over our city and our region. Is our Armin's not in here anymore? Nathan, you want to go up there? Are you able to go up there and just play for me? It's awesome. Yahweh during the worship takes care of the uh, the personal encounters. And now we get to spend some time declaring over our city and over our brothers and sisters in this region. Whew. Yahweh, we thank you for the message of unity amongst the body in the church of Streetsboro. Yahweh, I thank you for the men and women that are leaders of churches in this region. And I thank you for the fire that you've placed on the inside of them for this city. Yahweh, I'm, I'm asking and I'm declaring the connecting of the leaders, the laying down of colors, and we're declaring no more separation. No more sects. No more division. It's not even like it's aggressive. It's passive. Division doesn't have to be aggressive. It can be passive 
in the sense of there's no pursuit of unity. I'm not saying that there's aggressive division and speaking against one another. And Yahweh, I thank you for the, the father of this house. His heart is to see the leaders of this city tightly knit together, Yahweh. I'm just declaring now that there's, there's no fear in the hearts of these leaders, Yahweh. There's no fear in the hearts of these leaders. I thank you that today starts the day starting the process of connecting these men to our Father. Because his heart is to see this very thing come to pass in our city. Churches working together. I thank you for us being able to work with uh, the Methodist church down the road that has the food bank. I don't have to have a food bank. There's an incredible food bank in this city. And I get the opportunity to, to sow into that in another church. We get the opportunity. We're blessed to be able to do that, Yahweh. Whew, man. Yahweh, I th as our the father of this house sees fit to begin to send out the invitations to other leaders in this city. I thank you that there will be some that answer the first time. There'll be some that answer the second time. Some that answer the third time. And I thank you for the promise that if you knock and keep knocking, that someone will answer. If you ask and keep asking, the answer is coming. We will see the full stature of Christ in our city and region in Jesus' name. Had the wonderful experience of going Saturday to a man's breakfast right over in uh, East Market where Jimmy got married. Man, it just brought back such cool things to know that that's where Jimmy got married to Tina. And uh, that's probably been 20 years ago. I did Royal Rangers at Run Assembly, and one of the men. Uh, there's about nine of us that were all commanders but the cool thing about it is like what Mike's talking about when we come together we're all in different churches but yet the brotherhood of sitting around a campfire with young kids never wears off and the goodness of God that we all share never wears off and it was just such a great joy to be able to go to, to a church like that and it brought like man I wonder if that's what heaven is going to be like you know what I'm saying we're going to go up there there's going to be everybody up in there you know Muslims whatever Lord knows what church going to be up in there but, but the joy of it you know to share a breakfast when I walked away from there it really felt joyful and then Mike starts talking about all that stuff I just had to share that and a lot of you don't know, I, I'm the one that takes the food over to the Methodist Church. And years ago, I had done an Appalachian service project with them, that church. It partnered with the church that I went to at the Methodist Church over in Portage Faith. So for me to walk back in there with food, and they are so gracious. It's like, don't bring so much at one time. And I'm like, well, I can't control that. That's Yahweh's goodness. You know, but I need the, the crates back, so I got to help you unload the food. But, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you, that you never know what you might get involved with, with the friendship with people. And then, ten, I mean, uh, some of those, I haven't seen them people in 10 years, and there was like nine of us there. Like, I think Mr. Stewart wasn't there, but, you know, I would expect him to walk in the door any minute because it was getting weird real quick, all these people. But thank you. So Yahweh, we thank you for the Catholic Church that's down the road. 
We thank you for the Lutheran church. We thank you for the multiple Baptist church churches that are in the area, Yahweh. We thank you for the church of God and the church of Christ. We thank you for the different expressions. But one banner, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> yes. Whatever it looks like in the future, I just say it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. Why did we believe the lie that we had to stay separated? Be able to feel like looking at people. Why did we have to believe the lie that we had to stay separated? I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We just really need to pray into the fountain. I call forth the fountain in this plaza that's going to be a place where we can all gather. It doesn't matter what we're, where we're coming from, what family we belong to, but that fountain is going to be a place that we can all gather. So, Father, we call forth that fountain. We ask for it. We ask you to send it now, Father. Thank you for that promise that that fountain will be out there, that the living water will come forth and come forth and come forth. And who was it that was just saying the fount the waterfall will continually fall? And we this fountain will be a be a symbol of that promise for this city, Lord. We thank you and we thank you. We ask you to just send it now, Lord. Send it now. It's probably two years ago, I had an open vision of that fountain. And I want to share that with you because I actually wrote it down and I shared it with Jim. But it went like this. There was men that I had known, Ember and some of these people were working on this fountain. And the cool thing about this fountain was we never made provision to fill it up. But it was always full by the goodness of God. And it came down that it never ran dry, no matter what the weather ever was. And people would come from all over the world and when they would stick their hand in it, they were healed of every infirmity that they ever had. That it became the fountain right here in our little streets, bro. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I saw it and I'm thinking I'm going for it, that it's going to be there someday. Come on, can we just pray in the Holy Ghost for a minute? like many waters many waters may our voices join together in that fountain Lord and be like many waters may we be like you Father may we hear may they may they hear the region hear our voices as they hear as yours comes from heaven the voice of many waters Father, I thank you that that fountain's going to be like Jacob's well. And that there's going to be women at the well. There's going to be men that come to the well. And that your sons and your daughters are going to be there to be able to speak into them. And they're going to say to you, 
you don't know how deep this well goes and they're going to say it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i'm in christ i am the son of god i am able to fill you so you don't thirst again so father i thank you for the vision of the well that never runs dry because it's it's a well it's not a fountain it's a well Lord, God Almighty. 
you out tonight to be your unique self your authentic self amen come on Yahweh we love you we thank you for everything that we experienced tonight together as a family this felt like the the family living room tonight your name Yahweh we bless your name I thank you for my brothers and sisters I thank you for their unique expression of their love for you Yahweh (laughs) yeah hmm I thank you for the encounters that we're going to experience this week in our day-to-day lives and being able to extend the hand of the kingdom to those that are around us. (laughs) Mm. is kind of personal but I'm going to share it anyway so um, Jeanette and I on, on Tuesday get to go meet with a, a gentleman he's in his 90s now um, he had some he's a businessman he's and if you were at the, one of the Kingdom Elders meetings he's the one that donated a million dollars to the Cleveland Clinic and at least one million dollars and he's had dealings in Russia and he's mined for gold in New Mexico and and um, so we just emailed him and said, "Happy Spring." He comes up from Florida. He lives in Florida, but he has businesses up here in Cleveland. Comes up once or twice a month. He says, "I'm going to be up this week." Um, and we asked him about the mining for gold. We thought it was in Africa. He says, "Well, you're half right. You were a little bit what was the word he said? exotic. It wasn't in it. It wasn't in Africa. But anyway." He said, um, let's get together. This is my schedule. And um, so the first thing I always think of is, good, maybe, you know, maybe we'll talk about some, about money or finances or things like that. And today, yeah, we said, no, you're not, gonna, you're not talking about finances. I talked to him after my mom's funeral in 2016, told him how good Yahweh was. He's Catholic, he happens to be Catholic. And Yahweh said, you're not going to talk about money. You're going to talk about my kindness. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll be with us on Tuesday. And you'll just speak through us. And we'll just have a great time. And this is a setup, Lord. This is a divine, a divine meeting with all of us. Thank you for being so kind to us. Thank you for placing Jeanette and I in places. We don't even know how we get, how we even get there, Lord. It's like favor pray for us on Tuesday thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate if you would like to donate to this ministry please go to www.thenorthgateoh
www.thebridge.com and click on the link at the bottom of the